Welcome to Netfront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon, Post Dispatch, joined by beat reporter Jim Thomas, Tom Timmerman, out on assignment this week. We'll have the, the Tim Man back next week. Well, JT, uh, our heroes were up against it in a um, crucial scenario up in St. Paul, and uh, number 91 with a big finish to the game. What a year for Vladimir Tarasenko. None of us expected to be talking about him at this point in this manner, but here he is, playoff hero. For sure, and uh, it looked like it was going to be the Kirill the Thrill show uh, last night, and uh, Vladdy said, no, no, wait, wait, wait a minute, I, I've got something to say about this. And uh, very interesting because really the first four games, uh, in to a large degree, Ruby had the Russians together at least for a couple of those games, and they just they just hadn't hadn't produced. Vladdy had the one goal, I think he had an assist, but just uh, just wasn't a whole lot there. And all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom! And uh, you know, I looked and looked for hats after the empty netter, and it turns out Vili Huso took his cap off and threw it on the ice just so there'd be something. <laughs> so there'd just be something out there. But uh, what a response by Vladdy, and not just. Uh, just uh, his first two goals, but just what a response by the team in the uh, in the third period. Just uh, the way they played, they didn't back off. Uh, they could have scored two or three more goals. Uh, they were checking intensely. It's it's like they just got a uh, just a tremendous energy boost by uh, Tarasenko's uh, two goals. And uh, boy, that that crowd was which had been so loud much of the night, so quiet after that second Tarasenko goal, and. Uh, a dispirited uh, group of uh, Minnesota fans, wild fans leaving the rink there. Well, I think Jim Thomas has seen that before, not to get uh, Blues fans too excited because this is a long playoff journey and there's a, a tough series still to be uh, won or lost against the, the wild. But um, it had to remind you a little bit of, uh, of how things ended again against Boston, you know, electric atmosphere. Those people came to party uh, they were ready to go. And, um, you know, by the end, when the Blues just took the air out of it and just <laughs> the third period, just sort of like, all right, we're just going to put this whole thing in the cooler. Um, <laughs> and there was nothing more for the fans to do except uh, slowly get up and leave. Yeah, and, and I don't know the exact number, but Minnesota's had a long string of, uh, of first-round exits. Uh, a lot of people saying this this was the best, and it still could be. Again, let's, uh, let's not uh, – uh, have Blues fans get too excited that, that it's the best team ever, at least for the Wild, the Minnesota hockey team known as the uh, Wild. And boy, did they come out strong. I know the Blues got that power play goal from O'Reilly, and I, you know, they didn't play badly at all in the first period, but the Blues have no answer for Kaprizov in the first period. The two power play goals out of a Blues power play that had been exceptional in the series. I think 15 out of 17 kills, 88%. And the hitting, the hits were 12 to 2, Minnesota, in the first period. And they weren't love taps. I mean, they were putting the lumber to the Blues. And it's like the Blues somehow withstood those shots, the best shots. The second period was intense and dicey. And then at the end of uh, the second period, or near the end, Brandon Sod's goal, it was like the Blues were saying, hey, we're still here. Uh, we're not going away. And uh, again, after all that uh, uh, energy that was expended by Minnesota and then to be on a losing end five to two, I mean, who knows? Uh, you know, we've often said, I know you've said before, Jeff, that uh, one playoff game 
really has nothing to do with what happens to the next. But I just wonder just a little bit if uh, maybe uh, the wild aren't spent that, that that was like their best shot uh, in game five. I mean, we'll find out soon enough, but uh, uh, it was quite a response. And they, they, you know, Vladdy talked about the, you know, the 2000 in 2019, you know, he learned it was all about the W's at this time of year. And he seemed very sincere when he said, you know, okay, I got a hat trick. He, he wasn't like overjoyed by that. Although he did find the time to, you know, how you pose with the, uh, the pucks afterwards, he did find the time to, to do that. But uh, uh, I, I think the blues, uh, especially their cup, their cup guys uh, showed some championship pedigree uh, that in, in the finish of that game. Before we talk more about the Blues positives, we do have to take a moment to uh, to praise Kaprizov. I mean, uh, this is a guy that uh, Craig Berube has uh, repeatedly uh, praised, and for good reason. He's just a great player. He uh, he took his time coming to the NHL, and when he arrived, he was uh, a sturdy, grown young man who uh, who has not only uh, tremendous skill, but he's he's strong like 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 Vladimir. Tarasenko, and, uh, and he just has a high level of compete. And after the game, uh, Dean Everson, the wild coach, was uh, just saying, hey, I wish, you know, this guy's trying to will this team to victory. We need more guys to follow that 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 drive because he uh, he was just relentless and is relentless. And uh, he he is, to me, quickly become one of the 10 best players in the league. I mean, he, he, is, just, he is just a load. Yeah, and, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the – kind of some of the similarities to, to uh, Tarasenko because he's got that quick release like Tarasenko strong, like Tarasenko and kind of the same frame, you know, the lower torso on both of those guys, a uh, big lower torso. And it's hard to, it's hard to dislodge those guys, but I don't know, pro- probably Kaprizov uh, is, is faster uh, than Vladdy. And maybe he has an, and, and I don't know, I can't speak for, earlier in Vladdy's career because I wasn't covering it every day, but right now Caprice may maybe more elusiveness, but certainly similar type players. I'm still, and I think probably Jordan Bennington, I'm still wondering how in the heck did he, he get that second goal in? He didn't have much space. It was a quick shot. Seemed to surprise Bennington and uh, Bennington didn't leave much and it's in the, uh, in the net, but you know, you referenced uh, Everson, uh, you know, one man, even a, a guy as supremely talented as Kaprizov, I, I don't think can do it. And one of that kind of a underplayed uh, storyline out of these last two games is what's happened to the grief line. The Blues have totally erased him these last two games. Zero goals, zero assists, nothing. And they dominated games two and three, the two games that Minnesota won, probably even more so than Kaprizov. They had that line had two goals and two assists in, uh, in game two and two goals and three assists in, in game three or vice versa. But, but those were the totals. And uh, I don't know what kind of adjustments Burby's made. I've asked him about a couple of times. He isn't saying a whole lot, uh, whatever it is. I guess he doesn't want to give up the uh, secrets, but they've, uh, uh, they've just been erased. Uh, you know, they're still hitting people and hitting people hard, but just in terms of offense, they're being erased. And, uh, you know, the Fiala line, the Hartman line, uh, I mean, the Fiala line, they, they, they've never really gotten going. You mentioned uh, Jordan Bennington, and uh, that's the, the happy topic number two. It's a, um, not only is he uh, competing hard, like he, like always, he's making the big saves, which has been 
uh, a challenge at times this season, making the timely save. And then the big thing is uh, Jordan does like to leave the net and play defense. And on a team that's pretty beat up on the blue line still, and uh, having a couple of uh, either young or um, or lesser talented guys in the in the mix, that's been huge. His ability to get back there and uh, and diffuse the pressure for that that the Wild want to put on has been a, a been a big shift for the Blues the last two games. Yeah, it really has, and it's uh, uh, it, it's it's just been really noticeable. I'm, I'm sure Bennington plays this way all the time in terms of uh, playing the puck. But, uh, you know, as uh, Barubi said, uh, said today, it's like he, he he's limiting, in some cases, eliminating the Minnesota forecheck. Before they have a chance to forecheck, he's got the puck out to a forward, in some cases a defenseman, and it's really been helpful. And, again, as you mentioned, uh, you know, playing some of the guys that, that they're playing, uh, uh, Callie Rosen, who continues to impress, uh, Scott Perumich, that's amazing, again, using him in a limited way, uh, really highlighting his, his power play abilities, but, uh, uh, you know, having to use him. And now uh, I think we saw last night, even with the Kaprizov goals and five on five play, just, uh, just the work Nick Letty has done on Kaprizov uh, because Letty is, is faster than he looks and he can get on Letty, uh, excuse me, Kaprizov in limited space, but, it's almost like uh, uh, the Blues are, are, are using like basketball uh, double team uh, tactics as well, because there'll be times where Letty's on him and you see Shen jumping in and and uh, Shen, uh, 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 at least on occasion, trying to, to, to rough up uh, Kaprizov. I got to say, Jeff, the image that uh, Minnesota, the Twin Cities, has of uh, Brain Shen is much different than what we have here. He is a villain of the first order to the, the, the fans hate him up there in Minnesota. Our, our Braden Shen, we always knew he was a physical player, but I guess he's taken it to a new level. Yeah. I think what he, you know, he's gotten away with hitting with uh, much more leverage than is normally allowed. I think it'd be safe to say, and that started right away, right. In the series where not only is he yeah. hitting, he's, he's hitting mm-hmm. big and uh, is he le- leaving his skates at times? Is he, is he uh, guilty of charging? Oh Yeah. Uh, boarding. Yeah, probably. Um, so, but he's been allowed to do that and he has set a tone. This is a reminder of what at least, and he's, he's been banged up himself during the postseason. but we have seen, you know, him as a scorer and now him as a hitter, uh, a Braden Shin that we didn't see, uh, here a year ago because he's, he's back. He's, he's back to physically being able to be the guy that, uh, that helped him win a cup. Yeah, he's definitely irritating the wild, and uh, there, there at least one hit last night. I forget who he knocked over Florida, right net front, and uh, Shen was very slow to get up. So whatever he has is still uh, is still hurting him. But uh, uh, again, he's he's definitely making his presence felt. I think he's in these five games he's led the Blues and hits at least twice, maybe uh, maybe three times. And, uh, you know, he's going to score uh, sooner or later, but he, he's been a big contributor. One thing uh, the Chief has found, I think I would expect him to stick with it, given the circumstances, uh, because Tory Krug, pretty serious injury there. Uh, Marco Scandella tried to play but couldn't. You get Letty back, you get Bortuzzo back. But um, in the interim, you've had to lean on Rosen and you've uh, had to introduce Scott Perunovich to playoff hockey. 
Uh, using seven guys, uh, using Scott as a power play guy and spotting him, uh, trying, trying to um, then spread minutes around a bit. And of course it helps when you get a lead and you can, you can play guys uh, with a couple, when you're up a couple goals, but Having said that, it seems like he found something there. I mean, he, he still leaned heavily on Falk and Pareko for sure, uh, but not as much uh, with um, a somewhat healthier group and going with seven guys. So maybe he can – maybe the worst is over for the Blues on the blue line. Well, it's interesting they sent Santini back to Springfield. Now, part of that could be related to the fact Springfield starting the playoffs. They, want, they start tonight. <clears throat> they want to give him a shot to make a good showing there. And they can always, if they need him, call Santini back pretty quickly. It's not like Springfield mass is the end of the earth or anything. It's pretty close to Boston. So you can get in and out pretty quick. But you know, the other thing is maybe they do feel a little better about the health of their defense today. Berube said he paused. I asked him, so Krug and Scandella are still uh, a ways away. And he kind of paused and said, uh, uh, yeah, for now they are. So, I don't know what that means. Maybe it means maybe not as long as we think, but you know, I, I think it's safe to just assume they're not going to be in play here for a while, at least the end of this series. And if there is a next series, the, the beginning of the, of, of the next series, but uh, yeah, Letty played 18 minutes last night and, and uh, that was with the two minutes in the box and Bartuzzo played, I think about 12 minutes. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of games where that's, that's all he plays. Jeff, very early in the game, uh, Minnesota player shooting, and who is sliding to block the shot? Robert Bortuzzo. Oh. Like saying, Robert, just just forget about it for for uh, for a game or two. Uh, uh, but there he was, and so yeah, uh, the eleven seven. It was kind of out of not kind of it was out of hardship from like right around Thanksgiving to right around the New Year. That's when all the COVID and then injuries hit. And they used 11-7 a lot. And I think Baruby saw that it worked. It worked because what's the best thing about this team this year? It's the nine forwards, the top nine forwards, and a big drop-off to the fourth line. So why not? I mean, maybe you couldn't do it for 82 games. Why not uh, use uh, these nine guys a little more? The, the forwards, they, don't, they usually don't complain about getting more ice time. And it's worked. And uh, they are... Uh, what is it now? Nine, either nine, four, and three, or 10, four, and three with fewer than 12 forwards. My stats a little bit different than Valley Sports. They've been going with, I think it's nine, four, 10, four, and two. But there was one game where they had 11 forwards and just six defensemen. They only had, they couldn't use a seventh because they didn't have one available. But anyway, with less than 12 forwards on the ice, they have a great record and uh, it plays to the strength of the team. And that allowed, uh, achieved last night, I noticed that, that O'Reilly line, all three of them played 20 minutes or more, which is very unusual for any forward in a non-overtime game, but for an entire line uh, to play that much. And, you know, it's this time of year, you, 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 can, you can get away with that stuff. So I, I have no reason to believe that they won't go back to 11-7 uh, to, uh, in, in, in game six. I mean, uh, wh why would they? This, this is working out really well right now. Yeah, and you can do some things with your front lines, um, depending on who's been killing penalties and when, who was on the power play and when, how things are going. You, you slide a skilled guy out there, uh, depending on who's, who's uh, either playing well or has the fresh legs in the rotation. But, you know, Bozak's a reasonably skilled guy still. 
uh, you know, not a kid anymore. And then you have the crash and, you know, bang of uh, Torpchenko. You throw mm -hmm. a, a Kairou or a Tarasenko out with those guys. And uh, that, line's, that line could be dangerous. And again, the benefit of getting a lead in a series where it's been a grind, they were able to play Tyler Bozak uh, in the double digits. Uh, and he could help a little bit on the kill and he could do some things. And then Torpchenko got a little bit, a couple of extra shifts, just again, he could throw his body around with the team up a couple goals. That was a nice. That was a nice benefit for uh, for for that game getting away from uh, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. And Tarpchenko now he's not afraid to bang. And uh, uh, we we know Minnesota's. There were a couple occasions where, where they tried to they tried to bang him and and he didn't he didn't budge. It's like he just he just brushed it off. I mean he's a he, he he's a big fella. So he has contributed even in uh, even in small doses. So. Uh, you know, they sent Dakota Joshua down. Uh, so they, they've got extra forwards right now. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't see uh, uh, Logan Brown or Nate Walker who made some valuable contributions. But, it, you know, he's a uh, middleweight, I guess, uh, in what's been a heavyweight fight, all, all the big bodies of Minnesota. And uh, uh, so it, 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 it doesn't seem like we'll see him again in the series. But it's, it's, worked, uh, it's worked very well uh, for the Chief. And. I think he's kind of underrated, just his ability to adjust, not just uh, in between games, but in game. Uh, last night, he started mixing in. He was a little down on Barbashev. Barbashev was struggling, and he struggled for much of the season. Then he started rotating uh, uh, Thomas into what had been the Russian line, and uh, that worked uh, uh, pretty well. But then Barbashev, uh, Barbashev got going, which Navich – Jeff, I, it seemed to me in the early games, and he's still a pretty young player. He's played in only five playoff games before this year, and three of them were in the bubble. Remember they had that goofy uh, best of three? was No, best of five round robin, uh, uh, like a play-in round. And so I don't even know if you count those. But he just, which never to me, their early games looked almost a little overwhelmed by everything. But it seemed last night, He's finally getting his legs and realizing the tempo and the pace and the intensity of playoff hockey. So it was good that he got a couple of assists. It was good to see him get going. Yeah, another guy, and of course, he had had a lot of playoff success over the years. It's just uh, not a star, but a guy that knows how, knows how to play in playoff games and a guy that knows how to where to go and what to do and how to be consistent. Brandon Saad had a typical Brandon Saad goal at a time when the Blues really needed a Brandon Saad goal. They've been getting such good production from so many guys, uh, you know, David Prawn going crazy and, and so forth, but they, they need everybody. That That's the strength of this team is they have a lot of guys who can do damage. Uh, Kairou went nuts, uh, you know, but you still need a Brandon Saad to, uh, to chip in. And, and he did with his typical type of goal. And at a, at a time they really needed something to happen. If he doesn't score that goal, who knows what yeah. direction the game might go in the third period. Yeah, uh, just a, a huge goal. And as strange as it seems, for all the depth that we talk about, the depth and the balance entering this game, the Blues had only four players that had scored goals. Uh, uh, Perron, O'Reilly, Kyrou, and Tarasenko. So it was nice to see uh, Saad get, get going. I, I, mean, I mean, it's weird right now. Now, some teams haven't played game five yet, but three of the top eight goal scorers in the entire playoffs are Blues. Uh, and that would be, and, and, and Kairos 13th. So uh, their high end players have delivered, but yeah, as this goes along and assuming there's enough, they're going to need more guys to contribute. 
And that, that yeah, I, I don't think you can overemphasize what a huge goal that is. Saad's an interesting guy because he just, he kind of, he like lies in the weeds and you kind of forget about, forget that he's there. And then all of a sudden, boom, he strikes. And he's, he's never been afraid, at least uh, when we've seen him here with the blues to, to, to get to the net or to try to get to the net. And that was a classic example and I, I liked Cairo on the play. He didn't try to get too fancy. It was a simple pass right to the front of the net. And there, there was uh, Brandon Saad jumping out of the weeds and, uh, and, and knocking, uh, knocking one in. Yeah. He had a, Saad had a play that did not result in a goal, but really kind of jumped out at me uh, where he, uh, you know, and, and he doesn't run around and hit people. You know, he doesn't, you know, have a lot of, lot to do in a post whistle scrum. He had a play where he, he had just great puck control, and then in, which ended up him coming out from behind the net, shielding off mm-hmm. a defender, and and you know trying to create an opportunity just by just through his strength. And you forget, you know, yeah, he's a pretty skilled guy, and he could skate pretty well, a skate and shoot guy. But you know, one another reason why he's been helpful in the playoffs is that when things really get tight out there, he could still could still do something against uh, tight checking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 in my mind, I can remember that play that you're you're talking about, and he did everything but score on that play. And so it's nice to have a guy like that. Uh, you know, in terms of the newcomers, he's kind of been lost in the Buchnevich, but uh, uh, addition. But uh, you know, what a what a pickup, and what, what are you getting him for? Four million dollars a year. So uh, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Doug Armstrong was uh, was happy with that goal. Well, and just look at everything about, uh, yeah, all these acquisitions, you just shake your head. You know, you, you go back to Butinevich and, you know, I was just, again, the right price for a really good player who had a, what should have been viewed in New York as a breakout. Somehow they couldn't find a way to afford them. And, uh, and not only has he been effective, but both these guys have added to the chemistry, you know, Saad's a guy who's, he's been on some winning teams, you know, he just fits himself in, he does the right thing. And Bucinevich, besides being a skilled guy, is a different type of personality. And he clearly has been a positive impact on uh, on number 91, too, right? I mean, because. Oh, yeah. He's a kind yeah. of different. So, so, comes from Russia, but it definitely has a different different way. You just look at him on the bench, the two of them, right? And there's mm-hmm. a lot of positive body language. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the thing about Bucinevich, the best way, if you could describe his personality in one word, in terms of the locker room, and we've seen a little bit of, bit of it in the media, He's kind of goofy and he lightens things up. He's the guy that uh, uh, was one of the driving forces behind he and Bennington, the uh, winter classic, the, you know, uh, uh, beachwear. Uh, and uh, he was also the guy, this one didn't work out so well, but for some reason, and I've forgotten to ask him, we, we don't get Buchnevich that often, although he, he seems to be coming around a little more in the rotation of uh, media sessions. Uh, the Rangers game, remember his homecoming, they all came out without helmets and uh, with like massive amounts of product in their hair. And that was a Buchnevich production. Again, that, that didn't work out so well because they lost, but I think stuff like that uh, loosens up the team and uh, it, it's a good thing. He is a unifier and he's a guy, uh, he, you know, his agent and, and I wrote about this earlier said he, as soon as he came to the U S and came to the Rangers, he said a lot of time the Russians will just gravitate to each other, but he said Buchnevich in uh, in uh, New York, and I think it's pretty apparent here, makes an attempt to get to know and get along 
with everybody. So he's been a big, uh, big plus in that department. No, of course, another guy gets a lot of credit for keeping the group together is, is Ryan O'Reilly, who's, who's uh, shouldered the, the captain responsibility. Well, you know, he, uh, he's an interesting player because he's, he's, he doesn't hit people and he, he's not, a, he doesn't race around the ice, but it does seem like uh, he, I think he's playing well. And it does seem like he has some jump in, in his, in his wheels by his standards. I mean, he seems to be in a good place. Um, really, he seems to have a step here and there, trying to make plays along the wall, trying to create opportunities. Uh, uh, you know, that was a kind of a, a Mark, you know, Mark Andre Fleury gift with the the fat rebound. Um, but just in general, he's just. I, I think he's looked good, and, it, and not to get too far ahead, but if they do get past the Wild, he has a big job coming, and they'll have to move well. But he just. To me, kind of jumps out as that Ryan O'Reilly's in a good place. For, for sure. And what we've seen here in all season, we've, you know, oh, my God, Cairo. Oh, my God, Thomas, this guy, that guy. Uh, but here we are. And we got Tarasenko, O'Reilly, Perron, three cornerstones of the Stanley Cup team. And it's almost like they know what time, what time it is, what time of year it is. And they've all uh, been playing very well. I think. O'Reilly, out of two otherwise totally forgettable end-of-season losses at Colorado and then uh, the Vegas game where, you know, the, the uh, what, Minnesota was up. That game started a little earlier than the Blues. They were up two to nothing real quick, and I think the Blues realized it wasn't going to happen. They weren't totally engaged in that. But anyway, he scores two goals in each of those games, and I think that has carried over to the postseason. He's looking for his shot more. And it helps. I mean, besides all the stuff he does, the the checking, the the uh, the faceoffs, the, the the passing, the Blues do need him to contribute uh, with goals, and uh, you know he's he started to do that. And yeah, you're you're right. When you mentioned that, I I kind of cringed. I thought back to the four game sweep by Colorado, and the McKinnon line just abused the Ryan O'Reilly line in that game, and. So, yeah, maybe that's the calm, but yeah, we, we don't have to worry about that right now, do we, Jeff? Yeah. No, no. And, uh, and speaking of Ryan, I mean, a lot of companies have a healthy uh, paternity leave these days, being mindful of a dad's responsibility. Uh, NHL, not so much. It's like, oh, uh, good. Hey, everything going okay? Good. All right. Well, let me, okay, thank Good. Take care, hon. <laughs> Back to the yeah. rinky go, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, baby girl to be uh, with name to be named later. Uh, and, uh, Sometime, you know, in the wee hours, Sunday night. And uh, so there's this 945 flight uh, to, to Minneapolis, to the Twin Cities on Southwest Airlines. It's been the media flight of choice. And so here we are Monday night showing up at the airport. And who's standing there among all the other schmucks? But the, it's Ryan O'Reilly flying commercial. Uh, and so he, you know, just to squeeze in a couple hours with uh, more hours with the mom and baby, he... Uh, he did not take the team flight that afternoon. And there he was. A very interesting dynamic. Uh, St. Louis fans, I think, are pretty good about this. He really didn't get bothered. You could hear all kinds of whispering as we were waiting to Ryan O'Reilly this right there. He is. Oh, my God. I think one lady, he was at the, uh, it was like a little bar and restaurant right by our gate. And he was having something to eat. I think one lady came up and asked him to pose. But other than that, everybody just. Left him alone. He was in that A group. He boarded. He sat in the uh, uh, the you know the emergency exit row, which was a you know a veteran move for for 
pretty tall athlete. You know, you get more leg room there. I don't know. He was only a couple of rows in front of me. I don't know if he was totally paying attention to when he was getting the instructions, you know, if there's an emergency, but uh, it was, it was, it was all good. It just seemed weird to see him uh, see a pro athlete flying a commercial. The only other time I can remember being on the, the same plane uh, with a, uh, uh, with a pro athlete was uh, the, uh, the 99 uh, Super Bowl year and uh, Orlando Pace. I got to cover the uh, Pro Bowl that year, Jeff, because the, the Rams had eight, eight players in the Pro Bowl and Orlando Pace was there. And uh, I stopped in LA to check. Uh, this was really be- before the internet. And I guess we had cell phones, but used the pay phone to call the office. Hey, what's going on back there? I said, oh, Dick Vermeil just resigned. So I informed Orlando Pace that Dick Vermeil had resigned. He was pretty, uh, pretty surprised by it. But uh, Orlando was sitting in first class, though. But a big fella. You need a big seat, right? Uh, I wouldn't want to wedge him in the middle seat because I've had that happen. I went on a Southwest flight to did, try to do the veteran move, go, grabbed a window seat all the way in the back, figuring, mm-hmm. you know, what are the odds, right? Well, right before the flight takes off, some ginormous guy that just got clipped by an NHL team, some lineman, he's the last guy. And he had the last seat was the middle seat next to me. And I'll have to show you the picture sometime. It was an eclipse. This guy created an eclipse. You, you have photographic was, evidence? I do. Because yeah. all I all I had, this guy, not only did he encroach in my space, he, he enveloped it. He was, well, he, he was a 350 pound guy wedged in the middle seat in the Southwest. So. Oh anyway. my gosh. So you probably didn't get any work done on the plane then, right? Uh, no, I couldn't move going. my arms. I was pinned in. I was like, this guy... <laughs> I was trapped and I just, it was like from Philly or someplace. So it was horrible. It was like two hours of this guy and he nods off. And so now he's falling on me because, you know, uh, this guy apparently then, you know, he spent the last drop of energy he had trying not to get cut and failed. So now he's with his little NHL and NFL PA bag now falling asleep on me, just crushing me against the side of the cabin. So anyway, did you give him your snacks as a consolation for him? The big I I did. I, I don't think I got snacks. I don't think the, the flight attendant could see me because I was just <laughs> by this guy. He thought all this seat is on that other seat's unoccupied. Yeah, it's just somewhere under there, there's a guy, I think. Okay. <laughs> all right. So getting ready for uh, the Blues cannot get ahead of themselves. Uh, so we know going into game six, they can expect a gigantic push from the Wild. Even though it's a road game, the Wild just got to come after them. So classic scenario where they have to ride the storm play their game, try to get a, try to get an advantage and then just repeat what they did when they got the lead, which made the chief very happy. That's, that seemed about as happy as on the chief scale that you can get when he went <laughs> back and thought about how well they played with the lead. So if yeah. they can get the edge and play and remember, okay, this is how we have to play in the playoffs. Forget all the silly stuff, the back passes, the no look uh, through the middle, you know, all that fancy stuff. <laughs> it, it, they, they know what they have to do. I think, they get it. They've shown they can do it. Now they have to go out and do it in game six. Jeff, do you believe the back pass should be outlawed on the Blues power play or what? Uh, you know, it, you've got to be pretty deep in the offensive zone where it's a good idea, you know. And again, you have to make sure you have some some numbers behind you too, right? Um, yeah. Because even yeah. that could be a disaster if every if you're, you know, if it's you're the back end of the rush and now you make that play and you, some guy who's lumbering back late can turn the thing around. No. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, maybe it just flat out banning it would be uh, – I think the Chief would be all for that. 
Yeah. Sort well, you know, the uh, the team that scored first has won all five games in the series and league wide, at least entering last night. I, I, I didn't check last night. It was 26 to six in the throughout the, the whole playoffs. So the team that scored first won 26 out of the 32 games. And uh, they just for whatever reason, there have been a lot of goals scored in this play in these playoffs league wide, but there haven't been a lot of comebacks. So, yeah, that underscores your point. Uh, you need to come out fast. N- not th- nothing stupid. Don't give them any freebies. Uh, and uh, uh, just 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 come at them hard and uh, try to get, try to get out, out to a good start. We'll see how the Blues handle the crowd. It was pretty evident in game. What would that have been? Game three. They were over amped by the by the crowd and they just seemed out of sorts. And they were kind of maybe pushing a little too hard on offense and, and uh, the wild got them on, you know, that, that parade of odd man rushes, breakaways, two on one breaks. So, you know, for the blue sake, you hope that they've kind of gotten that out of the system. I would expect the uh, denizens of enterprise center to be pretty jacked up for this, for, for clinching, but the, you know, while you have to play with emotion, you, you, you can't, you can't let it get the, get, get the better of you, you know, uh, some of the best advice that uh, Baruby gives is simple stuff. Like I said, what was your message to the team between the second and third periods? And he said, stay with it. Just stay with it. And that's what they have to do. Just stay with their game. Do what they do. And, uh, you know, hope that Jordan Cairo doesn't make any back passes to Ryan Hartman. Remember that one? So, Well, maybe they should just have a um, um, presentation. Um Boil it down a little bit, but, you know, presentation of game six in 2019, how that went. The whole city was on fire and. Oh, boy. oh. yeah, oh. I remember uh, oh. Isaac Bruce and Chris Long came in for that game for that suite. I went up to the suite, said hello to them. JJK was there. Jackie joined a curfew. They came in for the boat, the big moment. Uh, no, no. What was that? What was that? Seven to three or six to one, something like that. And, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, if you and the the Blues obviously really responded in Game Seven there, but I don't think it's a good idea to go back to uh, XL Energy Center for Game Seven. That you're you're really playing with uh, you're really playing with fire there. All right, well that's Jim Thomas. I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been the Netfront Presence. A reminder that uh, you can find this uh, podcast as, as well as a, a ton of videos and all sorts of extra stuff on uh, STLToday.com. Our the uh, digital version of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, if you don't subscribe, please do. You're going to get a lot more stuff and uh, enjoy our reporting all the more. Tom Timmerman will be back next week. Uh, JT will either be breaking down the uh, Colorado Avalanche series or doing the postmortem on our heroes. So it's going to be one of the two next week on the next edition of the Net Front. But until then, for Jim Thomas, for On Assignment, Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. See ya. 